0: And welcome back to yet another episode of Ball With Y'all, the Friday show here for week two of the college football season and for the finale of the round of 16 in the NASCAR world ending at Bristol Motor Speedway. A lot happening in the sports world and we are so excited that you chose to just spend a little bit of your day here with us. Uh, my name is Sean Johnson. I'm here with Mr. Zach Gray. Zach, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well, sir. We are at the halfway point of the week. There is college football. There is... This is one of the favorite, my favorite weeks of the year. We get a NASCAR race on Saturday night with college football. It doesn't get any better than that.
0: It does not get any better than that. So whether you're choosing to join us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public Breaker, or on YouTube at BWR Productions, as always, appreciate you spending just a little bit of your time here with us. Zach, what do you say? Let's get into our first segment. Let's crack it open. Let's do it we're going to get right into the games because there's a lot of games this weekend and a lot of games that have significant uh, impacts in the SEC. We're finally getting some conference matchups with, with regularity or we're, we're actually getting some pretty massive matchups uh, against some non-conference opponents, which is, which is pretty cool to see. Of course, we've had some of that already with Wake Forest and Vanderbilt and obviously Texas A&M and Appalachian States. We've had some of that non-conference showdowns already, but, We'll get into a lot of our, our, our top five big games this week, and we'll actually start with a, a matchup taking place over in Columbia in the state that Zach and I were in not too long ago with the number one at Georgia Bulldogs. They are going to visit the South Carolina Gamecocks. South Carolina is a 24-and-a-half-point dog at home against the Dogs. The over-under is 52 points. Zach, what do you think will happen in Columbia?
1: Okay, so Georgia's is really good. Uh, kind of the only SEC school that I trust at this point, um, they're going to kill them. They're covering 24 and a half, and they're going to win this game 49 to 10.
0: 49-10. Wow. Ruthless.
1: I mean, I think that – what has South Carolina done at this point? They squeaked by Georgia Tech, or Georgia State. They struggled against Arkansas, and Georgia looks like the best team in the country by a mile right now. So that gives me no pause to say that Georgia absolutely hammers them and kills the over in
0: the process. You know, I every, every single time I look at this matchup, I'm reminded of the glorious day that was uh I believe it was early October or maybe mid-October 2019. Oh yeah. And we got to see. Uh, I believe Will Muschamp was still the head coach for, for the Gamecocks at that point in time, facing off against Kirby Smart. And the Gamecocks went down to Athens and won. Now, since that, a lot has happened in the world, right? We had, again, a global pandemic, right? We've had a recession officially, if you look at all the, uh, all the, the negative inflation we're seeing. And so many other things. Georgia's won the last two games in this matchup. And if you take out the 2019 matchup, they've won six of the last seven. So they're pretty good in this series. And there's really no reason to say that they wouldn't win this game. Um, I might choke in saying this, but Stetson Bennett has been nothing short of impressive in my opinion. Thank you. Uh, I never thought I would say that ever. He it isn't exactly your prototypical star quarterback, but he's he's shown us that Georgia's offense through two games has not missed a beat. At the same time, you know, while they haven't done much, South Carolina is probably Georgia's toughest challenge to this point in time. I don't really think Oregon did much for them. We know that South Carolina's defense won't do much for you uh, and they they got run all over by Arkansas too. but we do know that if he has the time. Spencer Rattler can stretch the field. But the only problem is that he's basically their only offense. If you look at the uh, running stats from uh, the past couple of weeks, their running game is non-existent. I think they had less than 50 yards rushing against Arkansas, and uh, it was pretty atrocious, to say the least. They're on, uh, the offensive line play is, is awful. Um, looking at the Georgia State game, they made Georgia State look really good. And that's not what should be happening against an SEC program. So all that said, I will I'll say Georgia will win comfortably. I don't think that they'll cover. I'll go 37-17 Bulldogs.
1: Ooh, I like it. That's a lot of points for a South Carolina team that doesn't have the great offense and Georgia with a great defense. I'm curious to see how that plays out.
0: Yeah, I am not too confident, but I that's in one of those situations where I wrote it down and I read it as it is. So we'll see how that works out. Uh moving. Down a little bit, actually, over to Atlanta, where the uh, number 20 Ole Miss Rebels, Zach's number 20 Ole Miss Rebels, will be visiting the mighty Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Georgia Tech is a 16 and a half point underdog at home, and the over under is 64 points. Zach, what say you on this game?
1: Okay, so the fan in me says this is going to go absolutely horrible, and I'm worried about this game because of the lousy team that we've played so far with Troy and Central Arkansas. I'm extremely worried about this. When I saw the schedule come out earlier last year, I was like, okay, so first four games are kind of easy. Georgia Tech is the trip game, though. Um, I don't see us covering the 16 and a half. I don't see the overhitting either. I think everyone sees Ole Miss and they just think, oh, lots of points. I don't see that this year. This is a defensive minded team. Um, I think I think Ole Miss wins. Two quarterback system with Jackson Dart and Luke Altmeyer. Not my favorite, not my go to, but I think it gets the job done. Um, Georgia Tech's been having a lot of problems the last couple of years. Um, so I think Ole Miss wears him down at the end. I'm going to say Ole Miss wins 33 21. So not covering the 16 and a half and not getting to that over of 64.
0: All right. Well, uh, this is a pretty special moment in college football. This is the first time that these two teams have played since 2013. So it's almost a decade. And in fact, they've only played four other times in history. So this is the fifth matchup. And Georgia Tech has not beaten Ole Miss since the 1950s. Um, I and Zach combined were not alive in the 1950s. So I can't even give you a frame of reference as to what that looked like. But uh, suffice to say, big moment here. Uh, Zach covered it. Ole Miss has not exactly been uh, impressive or overwhelming to this point in time. I'm not a big fan of the two-quarterback system that uh, Ole Miss is operating off of. It reminds me a lot of what you're seeing in Michigan and uh, some other teams. I mean, I know Georgia at one point tried it a couple years ago. didn't quite work out so hot. It usually doesn't work out well uh, for most teams. But this will be a true barometer, in my opinion of where the program is especially when you look at what they have coming up in just two weeks with that big showdown against the wildcast now granted that game is at home but still this is probably their first big matchup that kind of gives you a sense as to what that program will look like On the other side georgia tech uh they are coming off of that uh game that they looked pretty impressive in against clemson you know and then they kind of licked their wounds a little bit against western carolina a week ago but if you watch that clemson game they were pretty decent there for about a half. Now, compared to the Western Carolina game, they were down 14-7 early. And not exactly a, a promising indicator looking going into this Ole Miss game. This isn't the same Georgia Tech offense that we know is super challenging. But at the same time, too, to Zach's point, this is not exactly the most exciting Ole Miss team that we've seen compared to years past. So although Georgia Tech was impressive against Clemson, I don't really know that I like them here, I do like them to keep it close, though. I'll go Ole Miss winning, but not covering. And the over just slightly hitting 38-33. Whoa. Rebels. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, man. I don't know that the 33 for Georgia Tech is going to happen, but, you know, I threw something on the board. I'm
1: going to be not doing well if that's how that game
0: goes. <laughs> and uh, is that a, that's a 330 kick, right?
1: 330 kick. ABC, I believe. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's going to be a long afternoon.
1: I'll be stressed. I don't like that. Can you un- can you not pick that score? Yeah, I'm
0: going to unpick 38-33. Thank I have you. no pick for this game. So sorry, Thank guys. You. I... I'll see you better now. Yeah. So just for <laughs> for your own sake, no pick, no pick. <laughs> Moving over to a uh, big showdown taking place on the plains, a matchup that we saw a year ago, ended up with uh, a lot of a lot of controversy, a lot of big moments here and there. We get to see it again this year with the number 22 Penn State Nittany Lions going on down to Auburn to visit the Tigers. Auburn is a three-point dog. The over-under sitting at 48 points. Zach, what do you got on this one?
1: I got the dog. I got the underdog. I got got, uh, Auburn. I got Auburn covering uh, plus three and then some. I got them outright winning too. Um, I see this game a little bit low scoring, picking up in the third, carrying into the fourth. Uh, I got the overhitting as well. I got Auburn going in, defending home turf, beating Penn State, 27-24.
0: All right. Now, some of that is what I have as well. So I'm kind of encouraged that we're kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, But we're also on two very different pages, so that's also encouraging. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So if you've listened in past weeks, you know that I'm high on Penn State. I was very excited to see them finally get ranked this week. I thought it was very deserved. James Franklin's team is is incredibly consistent as always they're probably one of the best mid-tier programs in the Big Ten right now in my opinion comparatively Auburn is not exactly good uh it's time to recognize that T.J. Finley is not the guy it's either time you start the backup or even go really desperate and start Zach Calzada I don't know what you do but T.J. Finley is not the guy if Brian Harson continues to ride with T.J. Finley He is dooming himself. Mm -hmm. And if you're an Auburn fan, I hope for your sake that they put TJ Finley on the bench. If you look at that, that, that game this past weekend against San Jose state, it was not pretty. And I didn't even have that game on my radar. I just happened to see that it was going on. I clicked on it and San Jose state was winning for a large majority of that game. And that again, does not bode well for this big matchup against a big program in the form of Penn state. So, if you look at last year's game, obviously it was incredibly fun and incredibly controversial as well, and I hope that the same is true this year as well. But I have a weird feeling that it won't come close to last year's game whatsoever. So I'll go Penn State winning handily 27-16 Nittany Lions. Got it. That's fair. That's fair. Very different picks. But it's okay. okay. It's okay. go. We get through it. <laughs> moving over to another big game in the sec in the bayou with the mississippi state bulldogs going to visit the lsu tigers lsu is a two-point dog the over under sitting at 53 points zach what do you have on this game here it's
1: year three mike leach i'm going to say that all year until they lose uh mississippi state covers the two and the over hits for sure uh i got mississippi state uh
0: 37 to 29. 37-29. You're spotting 29 points to LSU.
1: I think, well, it's again, it's Mike Leach. There's no defense involved. Um, and I think it's gonna be close. I think it'll be a little bit back and forth in the beginning, but Leach knows how to win these kind of games. Brian Kelly still can't figure out if he's from the northeast or if he's a native Louisiana. And so let him figure that out. Mike Leach will go win the football game. Uh, no, I, I think listen, LSU. Not in a position to compete right now. I think they'll probably figure out by the season's end. But right now, they're not on the same page. And it'll show up again this week, too. Mike Leach knows what he's doing. He's got a year three figured out. Every year with that he's with the program, turns out to be great that year. I'm rolling Bulldogs, 37-29.
0: All right. Well, in I want to take you back uh, about 10 or so days ago. Zach and I sat in a hotel room in Sumter, South Carolina. And this is one of the first games that we talked about after we watched LSU combust against Florida state. And we acknowledged this would be a big game because otherwise you begin to question if bowl eligibility is still on the table and, and what Brian Kelly's future at LSU looks like. But if I'm Brian Kelly, I need this game more than I need air. If you look at the schedule, it doesn't get much easier than this right here. And if you don't win now, the losses will start piling up. Zach mentioned that year three Mike Leach is is not exactly a something you want to face off against. Mike, Le- Mike Leach in year three is historically a scary Mike Leach. And I have high expectations for Mississippi State as a result, including I think they'll probably win at least eight games this year. Mm-hmm. And maybe even against Zach, Zach's Ole Miss Rebels. We'll get into uh, that later nope. in the season. Nope. <laughs>
1: saying yes but like i hope
0: not yeah we'll see <laughs> unfortunately for the bulldogs again must win for brian kelly and the tigers so i'm gonna go with a contrarian pick i'll ride with brian kelly with Jane daniels and with lsu in a minor upset i'll go 24 20 tigers
1: okay low scoring
0: low scoring i don't know how we're gonna get there but we're gonna get there Moving over to the last SEC matchup. Well, not fully SEC matchup, but the one that we'll we'll spotlight here. The number 13 Miami Hurricanes, a fan favorite of Zach's, visiting the number 24 Texas A&M Aggies. Texas A&M, despite their loss a week ago, is a five-point favorite. The over-under is hitting up 45 points. Zach, what do you got here? This is
1: my my most confusing pick of the week, honestly. Um, I'm going to steal your line from Texas A&M, about Texas A&M. That they need to win this game if they need to breathe there. Uh, if Am starts one and two, dropping two home games with their only loss being or their only win being against Sam Houston State, um that's that's gonna be horrendous. That's like code red, code black, whatever you wanna call it, sound the alarm. Um, I don't I don't know. this is the this is a tough game because Miami always chokes in big moments. And AM right now can't seem to win to save their life. Uh also, Cristobal is a coach at Miami now. I think he's gonna do a fantastic job. Had you told me that AM won last week against Appalachian State, I would pick Miami. For whatever reason, it just seems like that would fit. But since AM's already had that collapse game, I like the Aggies in this game. And I like him covering the five. And I like the over as well. Uh, we're going to go Texas A&M 35 Miami 31 and 35 35 31 i know that's a lot of points but i think if jimbo fisher loses this game he's 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 done like that you can't do that you can't drop two games at home to out of conference teams before you even get to SEC play i mean if they lose these two games back to back AM is going seven and five at best. They just can't do it. So I think desperation desperation wins out for AM. And also, nobody who fault Miami for losing this game either, I think.
0: I'd say that's fair. Uh, again, kind of going back to the Georgia Tech O miss matchup. Again, another historic matchup. They haven't played since 2008. AM has not beaten Miami since the 1940s. So a big game there. Uh, kind of like Zach was saying, funny enough, this was not the non conference home game. Most of us had circled for Texas AM. Uh, or this was the non-conference game compared to compared to what we saw last week. But here we are, and Texas A&M, like Zach said, needs to write the ship, especially when you look at their matchup next week against Arkansas. And we know what Arkansas is capable of. We've already seen it, and we know they can continue that against the Aggies as well. Meanwhile, Miami, they have one more non-conference game after this before they jump into ACC play against North Carolina. If they win this, honestly, you could feasibly see them going undefeated until at least November 19th. And I know Zach doesn't want me to say that because it'll jinx him, but very reasonably, they could go into Fiat until they play Clemson. Then we'll see what happens yeah. um, if they win this game. So even though it's non conference, it's very much a pivotal game for both programs. But to Zach's point, I look at this game as to who needs it more. If AM hadn't lost a week ago, much like Zach, I'd probably lean Miami. But in, and to that point, Miami hasn't really looked all that great to this point in time, but I think that they can afford a loss here, especially against Texas a and I think in some ways it will be somewhat of a respectable loss. So I'll go Texas a to write the ship, just barely cover the under hitting. We'll go twenty three seventeen Aggies.
1: I like it. That's fair. We, we kind of, we kind of the same process, same thought process
0: there. Same idea. Yeah. just yeah. Not as high score. No. So that'll do it for all of our game week picks. However, of course, We can't go a single week without touching our dear friends from Hawaii, the Hawaii rainbow wager warriors. Now, of course we'll have the segment on Monday, but we have to give you our picks here. Zach, what do you have here? Duquesne, the mighty Duquesne Dukes are visiting Hawaii. Hawaii is a 13 and a half point favorite and the over-under is sitting at 57 points. Now, mind you, there are no prop bets here because (laughs) this game does not count for anything. Apparently and Literally. the only other thing that I saw was the over. It was the uh, halftime spread was four points. So, Zach, what do you have here for Hawaii and Duquesne?
1: Okay, well, first off, I think you should pick first, because I pick first every week for this, and I'm 0-3. Well,
0: I'm 2-1 and one after last week. I mean, again, you could not possibly get any closer than we did a week ago. I know. Half, half a yard and half, half a point.
1: Oh. Oh. All right, well – <laughs> it's Duquesne, right? I can't get this one wrong. Hawaii covers 13 and a half against Duquesne, right? It's an obvious pick. So I'm taking that.
0: Okay. Definitely. That's that's, that's almost Hawaii like
1: can, <laughs> Hawaii can win by two touchdowns, right? It's Duquesne.
0: <laughs> I mean, you would think so. I hope for your sake that that's true. Um, normally I would like to go off the beaten path here and pick some like you know, first quarter, first score or first quarter spread or longest touchdown or first time out or coin flip or something we don't have that we don't have any of those things so i will go with the next best thing i'll go with the uh the halftime spread of just hawaii at four which i was like i get hawaii at four or or hawaii at 13 and a half for the game i'll take hawaii at four at halftime right
1: yeah i mean sure i dude, this this segment sucks i hate it (laughs) your idea (laughs) i know i mean it's so fun but it just hurts me every week at like midnight
0: now i will say uh our former well the executive producer for season one daniel salisbury my great friend he has partaken in this as well and the most recent weekend he had uh michigan covering which also did not hit so all of us that are participating are not doing well as always i encourage you if you would like to participate in rainbow wager warriors feel free Send us what your pick for the weekend is. Again, 13 and a half, four, and then over under 57. A lot of great options this week between the, the Dukes and uh, the Rainbow Wager Warriors. So we'll see how that unfolds. Of course, we'll give you an update on the Monday show. Moving on to NASCAR, one to go. White flag, next point is it? Zach, we kind of teased this early in the week on Monday. We kind of knew it was happening, but we didn't We didn't really talk about it because we didn't want to jump the gun. We like to be a, a very ethical and upstanding podcast that likes to wait for things to happen before we talk about them. We don't like to speculate too much, right?
1: Fact-based.
0: Never. And finally, we got some news. That wasn't speculative. It came straight from the horse's mouth, and that was in the form of Kyle Bush finally announcing where he was going. And that, my friend was to Richard Childress Racing, leaving Joe Gibbs after the better part of 15 years. Zach, what was your takeaway when you heard the news officially that Kyle Busch was going to RCR?
1: Team Chaos wins again. Did not expect this. Um, I think it's a great move for both of them. I think RCR, too, just what he's getting in a driver. um, I mean, Kyle Busch is the most successful active driver right now. He has 60-plus wins, and he's got two championships and Xfinity championship. He's the only driver right now that has multiple championships as an active driver. Um, So huge gift for RCR. And if you lost somebody like Tyler Reddick, you had to go out and get a Kyle Busch-level guy, and they did. Um, Obviously, we heard Austin Dillon was one of the main people that got that deal going and talking to him. Um, I think what it means for RCR is that they're not missing a beat next year if they lost Tyler Reddick and weren't able to get somebody of that caliber for next year, did not feel good about them. Uh, I think that means good speed. Um, Tyler Reddick's shown that that car can be a winning car multiple times this year. And I think Kyle Busch jumping in that, it's kind of weird. It's like RCR's had more winning speed than Gibbs has had this year. So it'll be interesting to see for Kyle Busch with what he has to do with that. Um, Looking at it from the other side of things with what it means for Reddick, Obviously it sounds like RCR is going to run a third team. We don't know if that's going to be because they're going to lease a charter for a year or buy a charter a lot to speculate there. I don't see him letting him go. I don't think he wants to take a buy. I think he wants to make it hurt for Reddit. RCR does. And I also think he wants to make it hurt for Toyota. As you can see where Kyle Bush that just lost Toyota, their truck pipeline. Uh, they don't really have anything going on in Xfinity either right now. So, I think Redick will be in that third RCR car with whatever number it is next year. And then on the flip side of things with Joe Gibbs racing with what it means for them, Ty Gibbs is going straight up into cup. Uh, he's going to be in his grandpa's flagship car in the 18. That's essentially like the Hendrick 24 or the Petty 43, uh, the three for RCR. When you're in that car, you're expected to win. And I think he's going to do great. Uh, it works out for Gibbs. They save so much money. They are going to be able to invest that money into Gibbs and all four of their teams. And I know it's going to sting not having Kyle Bush, but I think Ty Gibbs is the future of this sport. So they get him a year early, maybe than what they thought. And I think he's ready to go.
0: Yeah. And honestly, the only other side of it that I think this has a massive impact for uh, would be Chevrolet. I mean, look at, obviously put put hendrick aside they don't really count for this conversation but look at some of those smaller teams look at what it will do for gms to that point to have a guy like kyle bush in your camp i look at super speedways where eric jones for example for gms he's got of course you know kyle and chase and william and, and alex which sometimes they'll be up there sometimes they won't but Toyota was always so in sync at super speedways because they knew that they needed each other. They only had those six guys. So they had to run in unison Whereas Chevrolet, you know, they can kind of be disjointed and so on, but you know, a guy like Kyle Busch is committed to running with his team because again, he had to do it just as recently, well, as recently as right now. And he's had to do it for quite some time as well. I think this will do do wonders for Chevrolet as a whole. Uh, Now, whether it will actually translate into wins for for RCR, we'll see how that unfolds. Obviously, Tyler Reddick has made RCR outperform the kind of equipment they've had at this point in time, whereas Austin Dillon hasn't really uh, performed whatsoever in that equipment. Obviously, you got to win by happenstance, if you will, by mother nature. Uh, So I'm not entirely convinced that that Kyle Busch will monumentally uh change the way that rcr runs each week but i think on the whole it'll certainly change uh how that team is perceived i think we now look at that team as like they can win every week without a doubt now whether they will obviously kyle bush he's been an opportunity he's had an opportunity to win just about every week in fact i don't know where zach's gonna lean this week with Bristol but a lot of people are saying that he could win at, at Bristol this week now will he we don't know I mean he's very hit or miss either he'll he'll go out there and he'll win the race or he'll wreck out and finish the last and that's kind of where he's been lately obviously like to have a little bit more consistency but that's also what we're seeing across the board right now you've heard Zach talk about that with Ross Chastain you've seen that also with, with even Chase Elliott with Kyle Larson where they can be at the top and then they can just plummet And obviously you hope to hope to not see that transpire with Kyle Busch joining Chevrolet, but it's a possibility. It's wild in my opinion to think about Kyle Busch being a Chevrolet driver, but I think it's a good thing for the sport too. And I'm kind of encouraged as to where Toyota wind up and to that point where Chevy wind up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's so funny to me about how, he's going to be driving the eight car for RCR. I mean, like there's so many traditional NASCAR fans who are going to be so conflicted with how they're supposed to feel about this. Uh, But I mean, I think he just makes RCR better, honestly. Um, And I mean, honestly, too, Austin Dillon is a good driver. He finishes races. He knows how to get the car back in one piece for the most part. And I think that team is, is overall better for next year. Um, reddick's got some work to do this weekend too i mean this isn't a this weekend is so i'm so excited for this race on saturday night i cannot wait for that um but yeah i i think overall it's a win-win for kyle bush and rcr teaming up together and i think gibbs it'll figure itself out they're gonna have the best prospect we've seen in years coming up uh going into their into their their cut program so i think it all works out in the end but that is really cool I think the biggest question honestly becomes of all this is what if Kurt Bush retires, who goes in that 45 presuming shoulders doesn't let Redick out of his contract, which I don't see him doing, even if that's a possibility. Um, we still don't know about Kurt Bush. So that 45 car is going to be one to look at too the next year and see, okay, who's in that car if Kurt Bush can't make it in. Um, so I don't know. I, I That would be the last piece of this domino puzzle. And then I think pretty much silly season's over.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that means that we can finally focus on the NASCAR playoff season. And in fact, like I mentioned earlier, we're going into the final race of the round of 16. A lot of guys right above or right below the cut line, even some favorites that aren't too far away in the form of Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and Alex Bowman. So, Zach, what can our listeners expect at Bristol this weekend? The first time we run at Bristol on the concrete.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I would expect a great, a great race, but this short track package has not been great this year. A um, couple things with that though, the two tracks we've been to this year that are short tracks are Richmond, which hasn't had a good race in a long time and Martinsville when it was 40 degrees and snowing at one point in that day. I know I was there. Um, so Bristol is a totally different track. So I'm not sure if this car struggling on short tracks is actually going to mean that this struggles at Bristol, but I'm not prepared to say that it won't either. So I don't know what to expect. I think it'll be a relatively tame race until the last stage. Um, you're not going to want to take your eyes off, the, off this race, though. I mean, this is going to be – I know college football is going on Saturday night. Watch, this, watch the race. Put the race on the TV, games on the computer. It's one of the best races of the year. The Bristol night race is right up there. I think it's the fourth crown jewel, honestly, of the the year. You have the 500 Daytona Southern 500, Coke 600. I think the Bristol night race is the fourth best race you could potentially win as a driver. So um, I'm pumped. If you're not a fan of NASCAR, watch the race. You won't be disappointed. There's playoff implications on the line, intense rivalries that are are maybe going to display themselves again this week with Ross Chastain. and. It's, it's one of the best races of the year. Um, I'm pumped. I don't know if I said that or not. I'm really excited for this race.
0: It's going to be a good one. And uh, <laughs> to Zach's point, it'll definitely be a three screen type of night for me with uh, Mississippi state LSU over here on one screen with Texas A&M Miami over here on another screen. And then of course the race on the big screen. Now, Zach, this is the moment we have to tell our listeners who we think will win. Now, if you recall, last week, you said Kyle Larson, I said Chase Elliott. Neither of them really had much of a factor in the race.
1: No, they did not.
0: The week prior, I don't recall. You may, I think you picked Denny Hamlin. He finished second at Darlington. I, I picked Martin Truex Jr., and for a while, it looked like that was a smart pick, and then it wasn't. So let's see if we can get it right this week. Zach, who do you have winning at Bristol?
1: So we've had two playoff races the guys that won were not playoff drivers that has to end this week, just simply because there's no other guys that can win that aren't in the playoffs. Um, but it's not going to be a guy who needs to win. It's going to be a guy who's already advanced. It's going to be Christopher bell. Uh, Toyota's have speed right now. Bell is on a roll. I also think Kyle Bush could be a really big contender this week. Um, I'm going to see bell because the pressure's off and he can go out there and win. And, I'm going Christopher Bell. And I really like a sleeper pick of Daniel Suarez this week.
0: Okay. Okay. So to Zach's point, I've heard just about everyone saying that Kyle Busch could do it this week, that he could kind of put all the doubters to, uh, to sleep, if you will, and win this race and come out victorious and advance the next round pretty easily. But I don't really know. He's won here eight times, so we know he's he's really good. That's that's pretty impressive, I would say. Eight times is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh 14, and on dirt. Hand on dirt, yep. 14 top fives, 19 top tens, 23 top 20s. He's been dominant here. So it's no surprise to Zach's point that he's driving a Toyota. And I think that he'll do well enough to advance this weekend, but I don't trust him to win. Like I said, he's very hit or miss. Either he wins the race. Or he's really basically a non-factor. Now I think he'll get some stage points to to get up there and uh, and help himself advance, but I'm not really sure that he'll go out there and win. So if not Kyle Busch, and if not Christopher Bell, I'll go with another Toyota. And in okay. fact, I'll go with a Toyota that isn't in the playoffs. That is in the oh. playoffs, in the form of Mister Denny Hamlin. Oh, he's won here twice. He's had nine top fives, 15 top tens, and 31 career starts. He's finished second in back-to-back races, so something has to give. We know he's fast, and honestly, if Denny's crew can hold up their end of the bargain, I don't see any reason why Denny can't pull off a win this weekend. It's
1: not a bad pick. Um, I just hope it doesn't happen. That'd be just so boring. That'd be so boring. He's already basically advanced that's not exciting. Like, give me some drama. Give me a guy who hasn't won much. Give me something that's going to be thrown off the playoffs. I, I don't know. This race got pretty crazy last year. Remember that?
0: I do recall. Yeah. It worked out very well for, uh, for some guys and not so well for some other guys.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think Harvick is going to be absolutely not caring at all what he does out there. Um, so watch him try to bully him. If he has a car with speed watch out cause he will use that bumper all night long. He's in a must win. It's going to be fun to watch.
0: Uh, another interesting thing to note, I think I saw when I was doing show prep that Eric Jones has historically done very well here. Now watch out for that man to go out there and win two of the last three races. <laughs> and once again, a non-playoff driver winning, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, am I going to pick it? no, because that would be absurd, but it could happen.
1: It could. Uh, Blaney also runs well here.
0: There's another it, guy that hasn't
1: won. He needs I, a I, win. I don't, I don't think it's crazy to say we could have 20 winners.
0: We're three off, two off.
1: Two. And we still have Blaney, Truex, and a Talladega race.
0: Wow. And you have to know Brad is gonna run four at a Talladega, Stenhouse, uh, Busher. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: And then a road course oh, too, where well. McDowell, Cindric, I mean Sindrick's already won, but like those guys who haven't won in a while or haven't won at all could easily pull it off.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, Noah Gragson got a top five at Daytona a couple weeks ago.
0: Well, that was again. Under under hey. less than ideal circumstances.
1: Who's to say they Can't they can't happen again?
0: Well, hopefully, we have more spotters around the corners so we can yeah, actually call rain. That would rain. be good, That'd That'd be be good too. <laughs> oh man! But we'll see how this weekend unfolds. Like like we mentioned, this will be a jam packed weekend for the sports world and for the ball with y'all world. So hopefully, you are tuning in for all the college world matchups, all the NASCAR races and so on. Hopefully, you're checking out the NASCAR race Saturday night. Hope you're checking out Miami a and Zach's favorite team, the Ole Miss Rebels, taking on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets that afternoon. It's going to be a jam-packed weekend. And trust me, we will have a lot to talk about on the Monday show as well. As always, uh, I encourage you to check out uh, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And as always, appreciate you allowing us to talk some ball with y'all.
1: Catch y'all Monday.